All right, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I'm going to read from verse 1. We know this scripture so well, we've been through it many a time. But anyway, 2 Thessalonians, if you found it, I'm going to read from chapter 2, from verse 1. All right. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Yeshua, the Anointed One, and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by a spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means. Please listen carefully. Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. Do you see that? That day will not come until the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. As we know, the Antichrist, all right? Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish. Do you see that? All unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. For this reason God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth, to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Yeshua, the Anointed One. Father God, we thank you for your word. Bless this word to us, I pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to teach us. We recognize you as the teacher. Without your presence here, these words will not mean anything. But with your presence here, your word will go forth with the anointing. And our ears will be anointed to receive. And our eyes will be enlightened to understand. We thank you for that in the wonderful name of Yeshua, our Savior. Amen. Praise be to God. Now, I want you to understand the Bible is a book which has patterns. If you understand the patterns, you'll be able to interpret it correctly, all right? And there's a pattern that emerges here. He speaks about the Antichrist being revealed, and there have been various occasions throughout the history of the earth where Antichrist-like figures have appeared, all right? Obviously, it's going to culminate in the Antichrist, but get the pattern. And the pattern is this, you see. For the Antichrist to take over, he has to first send forth delusion, deception. He operates in deception, you see, and if he can 
create a deceptive atmosphere, he can come forth and present himself like God and people will believe in him. Can you see the pattern? So what happens, before he reveals himself, there's a great falling away. There's deception first, then a great falling away. Can you see that pattern? All right. Now, what I need to say is that in our earth today, the great deception has come. You might not believe it, but it's here. All right. It's breathed through every media outlet, through all our institutions, through the churches. Sad to say. Huh. Exactly, Tim. Huh. That's what the devil says. Like our esteemed ex-president come convict, his famous statement, the devil goes like this. I mean, now listen. You see, the moment you say deception, everyone says, oh, that's not me. <laughs> you get it? You just say, oh, that's not me. Can't possibly be me. I can't possibly be deceived. Well, you see, you won't know you are deceived if you have been deceived. <laughs> I mean, if you are deceived, you won't have a clue that you've been deceived. Because if you knew that you were deceived, you wouldn't really be deceived. Do you get it? So you see, you and I could be deceived and not know it. All right, now, what I need to say is that the world is falling into terrible deception. All right. But what is the antidote for this deception? And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. The only antidote, may I say it, the only antidote. The antidote is not just the truth, but it is love for the truth. Do you see that? I just want to read that verse again. Verse 10. With all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not what? Receive the love of the truth. They did not receive the love of the truth. If you and I don't receive the love of the truth, let me put it in another way. If we don't develop a love affair with the truth, you get it? If you don't develop that love affair with the truth, you and I will be deceived. There's no other way. Now, everybody, you see, when you say that, oh, I know the truth, you see, I can't tell you how many people I've confronted, and I'm not just talking about people on the street, I'm talking about professors, lecturers in philosophy. Doctors in theology, ministers, pastors, well-to-do businessmen, looked them straight in the face and I've said, do you know the truth? Oh yes, we all know the truth, you know what I mean? Like everyone thinks, oh, we all know the truth. Then I asked this question, okay, if you know the truth, what is the truth? What is truth? Deathly hush. Let me tell you, every time I ask that question, people respond in what I will call tongues. Because every time, no matter who they are on the scale, by and large, they start to say things like, ah, bah, yeah, um, uh, uh, mm, uh. Hmm? You like that, Bonner? Can I do that again? They speak in sort of like a worldly tongue. Uh, what is truth? When confronted, let me tell you, they realize, I don't know what on earth it is. Sad, isn't it? And if you don't know what truth is, you can't form a love affair with it. Am I right? If you don't know, this is for the benefit of the young ladies here. If you do not know who the love of your life is, you can't develop a love affair with. Does that make sense? Common sense. But you see, my point is this. 
you and I as children of God cannot afford this. Amen? Because guess what? If we don't know what the truth is, we don't develop a love affair with, we don't receive the love of the truth, you know what will happen automatically? Automatically, without us even knowing about it, we'll just drift off into deception. And that's happened to the blessed church. Amen? My job standing here is to make sure it doesn't happen to us. Can you all just say amen? amen? Amen. Praise God. Everyone in our church will know exactly what the truth is. So if anybody says what is the truth, we'll be able to answer them without blinking an eye. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've been to, now listen to this, I mean, I made an appointment with a lecturer in philosophy. That's heavy stuff, isn't it? Philosophy. And the lady said to me, what do you want to talk about? I said to her, I'm going to ask you this question and I want you to answer if you can. What is truth? She said to me, that's a loaded question. I said, I know it's a loaded question, but I'd like to ask it anyway. So we made the appointment. I arrived there only to discover that she was very hedgy about answering the question. Very hedgy indeed. I think she smelt that I was Christian, you see. She was also Christian. But in the campus where she teaches, it's almost like a sin to have any sort of Christian overtone, so to speak. Anyway, she mumbled something about, oh, we've come to realize that truth is about power. And all this muck, I knew she was wasting my time, I was wasting her time, so I said, thank you very much, God bless you, I'm on my way. Now, can I just say, very often, when people say, what is truth, you see, and they think about truth, the reason they cannot answer is because they're looking for the wrong thing. Now, I need to explain this with a certain illustration. When I was up in Zimbabwe in a commercial enterprise, our commercial enterprise was entitled Foundation Agencies. Anyway, we were involved with the export and import of stuff. And when it comes to Zimbabwe, a lot of stuff that they export takes the shape of trophies, hunting trophies. All right? There's a big manual called the CITES manual. It's got a code number for every single item that gets exported. You have to know that code. You have to have that serial number because there's certain consequences attached. Anyway, we knew all the codes for the various antelope, parlor, whatever. And then along comes a certificate. Now, I wrote this down because I couldn't remember it. And it says on the certificate, Hydrosinus vitatus. Hydrosinus vitatus. I thought that's some sort of buck that has sort of like problems with its sinuses because of water. Hydrosinus vitatus. My soul, did we look for this buck or this animal? Hydrosinus vitatus. And we couldn't find it. Do you know why we couldn't find it? Because Hydrosinus vitatus, for your information, I know this is very important to know, is not an animal. It's a fish. <laughs> a tiger fish, for your information. The Latin name for a tiger fish is Hydrosinus vitatus. So next time if you're fishing on the Zambies and you get that mighty bite from a tiger fish, you can say to all your mates, oh, I've hooked a Hydrosinus vitatus. Hallelujah. And I think you're very educated. Amen. But what is my point? You see, we were looking for an animal, but the thing was a fish. As they say in Natal, a fish. Is that right? All our banana boys say a fish. Is that right? A fish. Fish. But anyway, now listen, just to get back to this philosophical subject of truth, you see, 
When people mention a term like truth, they start to think of something philosophical. You get it? Something intellectual. Something so special. What's the problem? Well, you see, you and I as Christians need to know something about truth. Truth is not a philosophical concept. It's not an impression of the imagination or a construct of the human intellect. Did you know that? Why? You see, this is where the problem comes. Because truth, when the Lord walked on this earth, you know what he said? I am the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the light. My point is this, you see. Truth is not a philosophical concept, and if you try to look for a philosophical concept of truth, you will not find it. Because truth is a person. Amen? Truth is a person. Yeshua is a person, is he not? Is he not? You see? And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. You all see that. So you see, if you and I want to know the truth, we have got to know somebody. Does that make sense? And his real Hebrew name is Yeshua. You have to know him because he is the truth. And let me put it the other way. If you don't know him, guess what? Be thou a doctorate in philosophy, a professor in theological studies, a genius in our intellectual climate, a rising star on the academic frontier. No matter what you have, no matter how many brain cells thou hast between thy ears, if you do not know him, you can't know the truth. Sorry for you. Or as they say here, sorry. Sorry, Maningi. You can't know the truth. Are you all grasping this? You see? So you see, when you and I want to know the truth, we have to know him. All right? And when, you see, we want to cultivate this love affair with the truth, what is the starting place? This love affair with him. Has everybody got the strength fine? Now, you see, I'm going to put it in very simple terms, because if you study the Bible, and as Christians, we're the only people who can actually know what truth is. Did you know that? It's available to all, but it's only when we read the Bible, the Bible tells us what truth actually is, you see. Outside of that connection with Almighty God, there is no such concept. It cannot exist. That's an intellectual truth. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is that, you see, when you and I approach the word, it teaches us what truth is. All right? And to cultivate this love for the truth, we need to find out what it is, and the Bible tells us. It's a person, yes, but much more than that. The truth, very simply defined, is what God thinks. I mean, it's what God thinks. Remember, Christ was what? The representative of God. Amen? When he came to the earth, what did he say? If you want to know the Father, look at me. You see? If you want to know the Father, look at me. See, that's why he could say, I am the truth. What my Father thinks is how I operate on earth. You will get that. They so see, if you want to know the truth, if you and I want to know what does God think, and it's critically important that we know what God thinks in every situation. Amen? We have to know what God thinks. 
Because if we don't know what God thinks, we're going to be groping around in the dark and we are, as we say in the classics, cruising for a bruising. Amen? And unfortunately, many people have already been badly bruised, broken and bashed to pieces because of plum ignorance. Hallelujah. Sorry folks, I'm just catching up for all the months I had to sit here and preach to myself. Bless God. Hallelujah. But you see, we are responsible as children of God to cultivate this love for the truth. Love for what God thinks about situation. Alright? And I need to explain how we do this because it's all very well knowing what it is, but how do we go about it? Let me explain this. The Bible doesn't just stop there with the Lord saying, I am the truth. There are another three things that are tied up in the New Testament with the truth. I have studied this extensively. If you find out any more, tell me. But these are the three other categories in which we find truth mentioned. All right? And you see, with the Word of God, you've got to understand, it's not always one concept. Does everybody get that? That's where we get it wrong. Oh, I know the Lord, then I know the truth. Hallelujah. I know the Lord. I know the Lord. I prayed this morning and the Lord said to me, the Lord himself said to me, take your weapon and go to pick and pay and wipe the shells and tell them, God told me, if you stop me, I'll shoot you. Is that the Lord speaking? Can I ask you, Karina, personally, do you think that is God? Hmm? I don't think that is God. You see? But now why do I know it's not God? Because it's not because of just a relationship with him. It's also a relationship with what? Ye word of God. Amen? The Bible also says, please note this, the Bible also says that my words are truth. Amen? And please note, the Lord will not say something to you and I which is not already spoken of in his word. Does everybody get that? Amen? 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 You understand? So when you start hearing something from God that sounds very, very weird, and you can't find it in the Bible, start asking yourself, is it really God I'm hearing? Amen? Amen? Amen. We don't want to shift off into some form of sect here, although we've been accused of it. By the way, but hallelujah, we follow the word, and we remain open. The third thing we need to understand, the Bible speaks about the spirit of truth. Speaking of whom? The Holy Spirit. Amen? The Holy Spirit. You and I, if we want to know the truth, have to remain at all times open to the Holy Spirit. Because it's only the Holy Spirit that can reveal the Word of God to us. Did you know that? If you cut the Holy Spirit out of the equation, this Bible can become a very boring manual on church Christianity. Hmm? That's when you get people saying stupid things like God is a cruel person who kills children and all this trash. You start saying those things when you read the word without the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Holy Spirit is designed to make the spirit, note, the spirit of truth from God. The spirit of truth reveals truth. You and I are not open to the Holy Spirit. We are opening ourselves to deception. And that's what's happened in the precious church of God. Amen. We've got to stop it. Now the fourth point I need to make about truth, and I'm going to explain it in very simple terminology, practical experience, etc. The fourth thing is, the Bible speaks in Timothy that the church 
the body of Christ, the real church of God, the called out ones, is the pillar and foundation of what? The truth. The truth. Can you see that? The truth. What I'm trying to get at is God has placed within his word and in the whole realm of Christianity checks and balances so that you and I can continually ensure that we are filling our minds with what? The truth. Amen? The truth. You see? And can I just say this? God, when he speaks to the earth, speaks through his body. Alright? What I'm trying to say in practical terms is you might have a tremendous revelation and you think, oh my soul, I've discovered the truth. Eureka! Do you know what Archimedes did when he discovered the truth about, I think it was, what was it? Buoyancy. Buoyancy, right? Okay. He was in his hot bath. Did you know that? And apparently he jumped out of his bath naked and ran through the streets of Athens shouting, Eureka, Eureka, I've discovered it. So you have a Eureka moment, all right? Before you start running, please, not naked, whatever you do, through the streets of Pretoria, dear God in heaven, and start telling everybody, guess what? Cook on it for a bit and listen to what? The church. Amen? Very important, this. Very important. That's why we have people in our lives. Amen? That we submit to. Please hear me. We have people. We don't necessarily go and confront them, but we listen. We sit in the presence and we listen and we allow the Holy Spirit to what? Correct. Amen? So I'm just trying to encourage us. You see, you and I, in this journey that we walk, please understand, truth is critically important. Why? If you and I do not love the truth, we are going to end up in deception. And it's already happened. Amen? But we have to do a few things. It's not just like, oh, I love the truth. Oh, I love the truth. Imagine you had a girlfriend. Oh, I love her, I love her, but you never bother to phone, you never bother to see her, never take her out, don't buy her flowers. So what is she going to think? This is a talker. <laughs> a talker. You love me? Show me, boy. Okay. But you understand, you and I can so easily say, and in the back of our mind thinks, of course we all know the truth. You know, we are Christians. We are baptized. We are tongue talkers. We are this. We are that. We know the truth. Hello? Hello? Do you have a relationship one time and that's it? When Janet walked into the office at Foundation Agencies as a secretary, hello Janet, thank you that you're going to work for us. And if that was the sum total of my relationship with her, would it have developed into what it is now? Oh no. It's an ongoing process is what I'm saying. You and I have to keep our ear to the ground for the truth. Are you hearing me, church? Are we hearing? We have to be awake. Wide awake in this day and in this age. Why? The devil wants to subtly fill your mind with stuff that just very subtly pushes you and I off the truth. And we start thinking as the world thinketh. And because everybody thinketh a certain way, doesn't make it the truth. Can you all say amen? amen. Sorry, I woke you up a little. You see, the temptation is to start thinking like everybody else. Amen? And if everybody else thinks a certain way, and we think that certain way, we think, oh, we know the truth. We know the truth. Everybody knows that. Oh, yes, everybody knows that. And the devil, like our dear ex-president come convict, goes, <laughs> hey, 
I'm getting off the subject. The point is we have to be wide awake. We cultivate a love for the truth. In other words, in every situation, let's stop and think, what does God think about it? And then we ask the Lord, what do you think about it? Amen? What do you think about it? He'll tell you in your heart. And then you can say, confirm that with your precious word. He will show you the word of God. Amen? And you ask, Holy Spirit, just reveal this to me. And then you bounce it off the people of God who you respect, who know the Bible, and know the Holy Spirit, and guess what will happen every time? You and I can come to an assurance of what is God's point of view. Amen? Now let's put this into practice. Can I mention the accursed word, COVID? Amen? COVID. What is the truth about COVID? Are you hearing me? What must we Christians do? Listen to internet. Oh, my soul, we're all going to die. Oh, my soul, it's the end of the world. COVID-19 has arrived. What does God think about it? Are you hearing me? What does God think about it? And you and I will only hear what God thinks about it in the backdrop of all the noise that's going on out there. If what? We have cultivated a love for? Are you hearing me? Because if we haven't, in a situation we will not hear it. It's impossible. I hope this is coming across strength five. Now, I just want to share a personal testimony. I've shared it before. But as you all know, sickness and I are not friends. Amen? We parted company some years back. When what? I saw in the Bible. Listen, in the word of God, no plague comes near your tent. Are you hearing me? No plague comes near your tent. Now, does that mean because I'm a jolly old Christian that no plague will automatically say, oh, he's a Christian, we're not coming. No, this whole thing operates on the basis of faith. Can you all say amen? This is the harsh reality. You see, the word is available. Every promise is available. But you and I have to fight for those promises because they only work for us when we actually believe. Amen? Actually believe. Now there's no condemnation in Christ. Amen? And we're all on a journey. Can you all say amen? Amen. I worked through this years ago. Thank God. Amen? Thank God. There was a time when I got a little sniff of flu. Graham was like a big baby. You know males when they get sick? Ladies, you can all giggle. You end up sleeping with a dog. But anyway, the point is, I used to get flu regularly, and then I got it one season, then I get it another season, twice, and then it became three. Eventually I saw the Bible, and I fought the fight of faith, and I went through this whole thing, and the day came when suddenly, whoopee-doo, that flu was dissipated by the Spirit of God. Suddenly realized, this is real, faith is real, the Word is real, and I marched off to the hospital. Before I did that, I put under the soles of my feet, Cancer is under my feet. Walked into the oncology department at the hospital and started praying for the sick, starting with the cancer patients. Now, what I need to say is this, that from that day forward, I had still got flu, but the next season it lasted for a week. And I got it once. The next season I got it, I lasted for three days. And then 
I stopped getting it, and I don't think I've ever had flu for as long as I can remember. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. But you see, the revelation is that one sickness is no different from another. Be it flu, be it cancer, if the Spirit of God operates, it operates. In every situation. So I'd find myself often in the hospital there, in the infection unit, you know, where they've got these big doors and everything, and fearlessly praying for people. On one occasion, the mother said to me, I said, I'd like to pray for your child. She said, I'm not scared about my child, I'm scared about you. This disease is highly, highly infectious. Without even thinking, I said to her, ma'am, I'm not scared of that bug. That bug is terrified of me. Hallelujah. <laughs> Normally I put one hand on the child. In this case, I'm going to put two. Praise be to God. Pray the prayer of faith. Did I shrivel up and die the next day? As they say in the classics once again, Icona. That's Shakespeare, by the way. Icona. And it went from one thing to another. Let me tell you the worst of them all was hydrophobia. Isn't that a lovely name? Do you know what hydrophobia is? Can I tell you the common name for hydrophobia? Rabies. You see? And if you get rabies, you know what you do? You start to wallow on the floor and you foam at the mouth and you go berserk and you die. Anyway, I went to our precious Unitas Hospital for the upper class, you see. And they said to me in the children's unit, this girl's got hydrophobia. Before you touch her, you know what I had to do? The gown, the hood, the everything, like a ghost. <laughs> Creep in there. And this sort of gloved hand comes out and I pray for the child. And I pray against hydrophobia. <laughs> that, that sounds good, hey? That sounds really, that sounds like really good spiritual. Hydrophobia, go! <laughs> Amen. The child recovered apparently, but now let me just fast forward. A week later, I go to the esteemed Pretoria Academic Hospital, which in those days had somewhat run down a bit. And they have two children's wards there. On the left were the girls or the boys. In the left, I go in there. And then in the middle of this ward, in an open bed, there's this little girl. And I ask, what's the problem? Hydrophobia. But they didn't bother there too much about protection, whatever. So all I did there, washed my hands with the soap. Hydrophobia, be gone. Hallelujah. Now my question to you is this. Did I go home? My darling, you'll be able to answer this. Did I fall on the floor? Did I start? It must have been quite a sight if it happened. Foaming at the mouth. <laughs> and then keel over and pass off. No! Why? I'll tell you why. No fear. Amen. That hydrophobia, whatever name, is under his feet. I'm in him, but it's under my feet. What I'm trying to explain, I cultivated a love for what? The truth. Are you hearing me? I didn't take it as like, oh, that's a nice thought. I made it mine. Cost me something, but I made it mine. Fast forward to the year 2021. Along comes what? Oh, our beloved friend, COVID-19. Here we are. Everybody is fretting and fussing. And Janet and I think, you know, we're in a strange world here because we couldn't give a hoot. We couldn't give a hoot. Why? Because what's COVID-19 compared with hydrophobia and all a whole lot of other phobias? You understand? 
I'm hoping you're grasping something. It's become part of us. We've got a relationship with what God thinks about it. Amen? So our church for a whole year was spared. <laughs> I prided myself to think nobody in our church is going to get COVID-19. <laughs> then we have a service, you see, and um, we're waiting for everybody and nobody pitches, but, well, somebody did. I think it was you, Valder. But anyway, the whole crew has gone to the farm, you see, this palatial resort out there in Mabalingui. Okay, doesn't have any cattle, no sheep, no nothing. But anyway, it's a farm. And guess what happens, as we all know? They all come back having contracted. Guess what? COVID-19. <laughs> so the minute Janet and I get a whiff of this, we open our Bibles, it says in James, what does it say? If any of you sick, call for the elders of the church. They'll come anoint with oil and the prayer of faith will heal them. Well, they didn't bother to call. <laughs> but the elders pitched. <laughs> I actually thought this is wonderful, an opportunity to see if the Bible's true yet again. And we walked into the, I'll never forget this as long as I live, the Rusama home. And there they all are, be masked, you see. <laughs> And quite honestly, I thought to myself, we've fallen into a den of thieves. <laughs> Alibaba and the 40 thieves, you know, with all their masks. So we pitch up maskless, of course, and we say, we've come to pray. So that's what we did. We had a wonderful time of fellowship. We baked big bread, broke it open. We had communion, sang some wonderful worship songs. And then we prayed for everybody. But not a COVID-19, 24 meters away, long-range prayer. Oh, be healed. Be healed. Be healed. No! Be healed in the wonderful name of sure. Amen. In fact, when I got to Alec, I said, take that stupid mask off for heaven's sake. I think you got a shock, but anyway, we prayed for them. We prayed for them. Hallelujah. And we all know what happened. But we came home. Now listen to this. Now listen to this. So I come home, you see, and Janet goes to bed, and I'm standing right there, and I said, okay, COVID-19. <laughs> come to daddy. Come to daddy. Hallelujah. Come to daddy. Now please, I didn't want to get COVID-19, but I can't get it. What did I want? I want COVID to come. You know why? I wanted to smash its ugly face from here to kingdom come because of what it's done to the community. You understand? I wanted to just beat it up. That's what I wanted. But guess what? No show. I felt like we were waiting for people to come to church. Not even a headache. Hey, Ronan, what a fail. Nothing. Nothing. Come to daddy. Nothing. Anyway, this goes on for a while, and then I pick up in my spirit that God's having a quiet chuckle. And I said to him, what's a funny wise guy? Now please, it's not irreverent. We've got a relationship, you understand. He's laughing at me, so I'm entitled to some humor myself. Don't you think? Don't you think? You have to lighten up sometime with a serious business. And he started to communicate this to me. And what he said was, Graham, you're making a fool of yourself. I stopped and I thought, you know, you're right. This is ridiculous. But, you know, I said, what is going on here? And he said, of course it's not going to come for you, because it already has come for you. 
want you to understand something. What he's communicating is that when the church is attacked, it's not just the people in the church that are attacked, it's who? You get it? You're waiting for them to come to you, but they've already come. They're not clicked. Hallelujah. And that's when Armageddon broke out over here, by the way. And we all know, thank God, everybody is seated here today. Can you all say amen? We all came through. Praise be to God. I can't thank him enough. Now, why am I sharing that with you? It's not just because of my prayer. Please don't get it wrong. Everybody's prayer was so critically important. But we came through. We haven't had a funeral. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. Anyway, why I wanted to share that with you is because, you see, you can't do things like that because you wake up one morning and say, oh, well, you know, let me read what the Bible says. Oh, there it is. No sickness comes near my tent. Buy stripes are sealed. Oh, I'll take that today. You understand? It doesn't work like that. You can't just turn over in your sleep and say, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. You can't do You know, I cannot do that. We have to have done what? Cultivated a love for the truth. It's an ongoing process. Process in my life of about 20 years. I hope to God it doesn't take that long in everybody else's life. But let me just take it even further. Now the whole question of the vaccine. What is the truth? The truth is what God thinks. Are you hearing me? So what do I do when I face the issue of must you take a vaccine, Graham? What do I do? I go to Father God and say, what about this vaccine? And his answer was very simple. He says, you already know the answer. I said, yes, I do. The answer is, don't under any circumstances let anybody inject that muck into your system. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Situation resolved. Oh, but Graham, what if you've got to go and preach in New York? God forbid, but you know, how are you going to get there? You can't fly Emirates. That would be a tragedy because Emirates produces very good food for your information. But let me just explain something. With God, all things are possible. God doesn't rely on Emirates or any airways to get me from A to B. Look at the Lord himself. When he had to get overseas onto the ship, what did he do? He walked on the water. Oh, Graham, does that mean you're going to walk all the way to New York? No. For your information, when the Lord got to the ship on the water, you know what happened? The ship was transported immediately to the shore. Philip was transported immediately from the Ethiopian eunuch to Azotus, about 42 kilometers away. Are you hearing me? God's got ways. That's what I'm saying. God's got ways. Oh, but great. Does that mean that you are now anti-vax? Be careful of putting men of God, children of God, into a box. Amen? Amen. Be careful because you could come unstuck. You see, that's the devil's trick. Give somebody a label and then you become unwanted. Don't fall for that trash. But let me explain something. What is the truth? What God thinks, all right? And what God thinks in my situation could be what? Very different from what he calls for you to do. Are you hearing me? Please, we've got to understand this. The truth isn't like one size fits all. There are basic fundamental principles, but it works out in your and my life. We have to work it out with fear and trembling. If we have to have a relationship with the truth, we have to love the truth, to know the truth in our situation. Can I put it more strongly than that? You might be in a situation where your company requires you to be vaccinated. What do you do? Common question. What do you do? You ask God. And you know what the answer can be from God? Please listen very carefully. Don't get it wrong. This is a matter of life and death. Listen very carefully. God might say to you, get vaccinated. 
But pray that that vaccine will not have any adverse effect. Amen? And also get the right vaccine, all right? Whatever. Okay, but you see, what am I saying? It's very important. Then I'll speak prophetically now. Let me just tell you this. I'll speak prophetically. I'll stick my neck out. In four and a half years, that's what the Lord gave me, four and a half years, that makes it 2025, early 2025. The medical profession, listen to me carefully, will throw up their hands and say, this vaccine has caused more problems for health in people's lives than the actual COVID pandemic. What they won't say, of course, is the people who didn't have it were the clever ones. They won't say that, of course. I'm speaking prophetically now. You can take it or leave it. But does that mean that you know, mustn't take the vaccine? Oh, it's between you and God. And God is able to minimize the effect of that vaccine in your body if you feel that your faith is at that level. But the point is, find out from God first. Don't just use this as, oh, this is an excuse. Now I can get vaccinated in. No, no. You see, you have to love the truth. We have to love the truth. Are you hearing me? We have to love the truth enough to pay the price to listen for the truth. And when we hear it, to operate in it. Because that is what love of the truth is, you see. It's not only knowing the truth and discerning it, it's operating accordingly. No matter what anybody has got to say. My mother, whenever we are there, she says, are you going to take the vaccine? She paranoid. You must take the vaccine. I said, I'm not under any circumstances taking the vaccine. Then she said, she tried the religious angle, you see. Don't you think the Lord made the vaccine? <laughs> I said to her, I don't think the Lord made the vaccine. <laughs> I don't want to get disinherited, by the way, but <laughs> I'd rather, you know, be disinherited and be healthy. <laughs> you understand? But please, folks, I hope we as a church grasp these things. Amen. We have to have a love relationship with the truth. Amen? And that truth very often will go exactly counter to what every other voice on this earth has got to say. You won't take the vaccine. You are stupid. Has anybody heard that? You are stupid. Well, in my opinion, anybody who takes a vaccine without God is really dumb. I mean, you know, the chance of dying there without it, now you're adding to the chances with it. <laughs> Really? It's a no-brainer. Oh, it's a no-brainer. Listen, what is a no-brainer? Not listening to Almighty God who knows everything. Can you all say Amen? And hearing His voice filtered through His Word, in line with the Word of God, through the children of the living God who know Him and believe in Him and trust in Him and operate in His power, and of course, the Holy Spirit. You have to have this acquaintance. It's hard work, that's what I'm saying. But if you and I don't want to be deceived, the point I'm trying to make is if you and I do not cultivate this love affair with the truth, what is the truth, Lord? That's what I'm going to do. If we don't make that our standard reaction, our standard modus operandi, if I can call it that, if we do not do that, you know what will happen? Without even realizing it, you and I will be swept into deception. It's like a kid swimming in the sea, having a wonderful time with the toys and all of this. Meanwhile, what is the current doing? Gradually sweeping them away. I was doing that down at the coast once when I was a kid, had this belly board, having a wonderful time. Up and down, up and down, up and down, oblivious to my surroundings. All of a sudden, I'm coming into land and this big hand comes. Thank God. The life God. 
saw me going off into the rocks. Drag me right back. That's what you and I need. The lifeguard of the truth to come and arrest our lives. You stop doing that. Come. Don't listen to the current. Go against the flow if you have to. But come safely to shore. Can you all say amen? Thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray with all my heart by an act of the Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit alone. We will become lovers of the truth. We will be a church that loves the truth. Puts the truth, the word, first in every situation. So that you, Holy Spirit, can carry us safely through. We ask this in the wonderful name of Yeshua. Amen. Amen.